Hello, Rebels. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. Tonight, my guest is Marty Gold from the J.ca. Now, if you like listening to the show, then you will love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without ever having to spend a dime. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. A Winnipeg man commandeers a fire truck and takes it on a very dangerous joyride. It should be national news, however, hardly anyone is even talking about it. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. man affiliated with the African Mafia street gang stole a fire truck that was attending a call and took it on a quote-unquote joyride through the streets of the city. He was out on bail for other charges. Now this could just be a recidivist intoxicated yahoo as the charges suggest, but many questions still remain. Then is anti-semitism on the rise in eastern universities? Boy, sure looks that way. We're going to get into it because we have a really full show tonight with Winnipeg-based independent journalist Marty Gold from the J.ca in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon. from his home in Winnipeg is my friend Marty Gold from the J.ca. Um, Marty, I guess let's get it out of the way. Let's talk about the Grey Cup because you're in Winnipeg. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> once every 29 years or so, like clockwork, uh, the uh, football team manages to cobble together a championship. This one was very similar in my mind to the victory in 1990 and that the team, uh, I, I, I don't want to say had quarterback woes, but it's not like they had the uh, you know an all Canadian quarterback. It's not like they were being led like by a Doug Flutie or a Tracy Hammer or something like that. In 1990, the Bombers actually in '88 they won with Sean Salisbury, which was another miracle. And in 1990 they won with Tom Burgess, who was a uh, you know an, a fairly average kind of quarterback, but surrounded by a good cast and a strong defense. And there's a lot of similarities uh, between the uh, the ninth in my mind between the 1990 victory. Uh, and this one, the uh, city of uh, Winnipeg, of course, rejoiced. Um, they've suffered immensely. Earlier <laughs> in the year, the team started to uh, collapse. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of people jumping off the bandwagon and, and uh, calling, that, never mind for the head coach's head, for O'Shea's head. But they weren't too happy with the offensive or defense coordinators either. And somehow, miraculously, I guess the rest of the league kind of didn't catch on what was going on in Winnipeg, and they tightened things up, and it was a very impressive victory. It was good for the the spirit of the city itself. Um, uh, there's a local blogger, I know you don't hear that term too often anymore, no, no. who did a statistical analysis and found that there's basically no great cup um, attendance bump the year after a championship. Oh. Like to the tune of there's one outlier season, I don't remember which team it was, uh, it might have been connected to moving into a new stadium or something the next season also. You take out that one outlier year, and in 20 years, the average attendance bump has been only about 350 people. Ah, I think that's probably season's tickets I'm thinking of. So it, it, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
the city definitely loves uh, every quarterback it has, whether it's Nichols or Strebler uh, or Zach Coleros, and they're back in love with Coach O'Shea. Um, and uh, I think there's a, a, you know, this puts a little bit of pressure, I think, on the Jets to not underachieve this year. Uh, and just like uh, the Bombers with its defense, with uh, uh, Hellebuck and goal, the, the Jets' strength has not so much been the defense, so the defensemen have been hard-pressed and, uh, you know, without Buffalo and a lot of turnover on defense. But they've got a, a goalie who's having a, a career year. Um, so Winnipeg sports fans are kind of, uh, hey, the enthusiasm's there. There was a, an event I was on, a wrestling event I was on and in. Uh, to my to to my uh, uh, probably eventual demise uh, last <laughs> Friday night, and that was a full house too, and there was a lot of talk about uh, about bombers. There's bomber jerseys, Jets jerseys, as well as the wrestlers' garb there. So uh, Winnipeg's kind of revived a bit as a sports town, uh, which is good to see, considering the kind of debt the city of Winnipeg and the province are trying to navigate and negotiate. It keeps people's mind off the more serious things, uh, which we aren't even going to delve into today. Um, uh, but the uh, uh, there's there's a lot of concern here with uh, obviously still with downtown crime in particular and a, yep. uh, a release of a report the province commissioned uh, that includes using facial recognition now as one of the recommendations. Uh, yeah, there's something that uh, you know just broke as we tape this. I'll I'll send you some material. Sure. Uh, I don't know that Winnipeg wants to be renamed the New China. Yeah, no kidding. I'm not so crazy about some of the ideas that have come up, but uh, in the meantime, people have been. Uh, uh, not just uh, celebrating, but I can tell you, far fewer drunken incidents than after the Grey Cup celebrations of uh, certainly 1984 uh, and uh, in the past. So uh, people, I guess, are a little more mellow than they used to be when their team wins. Personally, I had no, I had no money on the game or anything, and yeah. I'm surprised they got through the playoffs uh, the way they did. Well, and that one guy gets good time. That one guy gets to start wearing pants again, which is kind of exciting. Um, I wanted you to know, talk. I'm, I'm, glad you, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I made a remark that uh, every every story that every newsroom in Winnipeg. I'm not so worried about the ones outside of the city. Yeah. But every newsroom ran ran every kind of story they could about uh, about uh, no pants. And his wife, which was sort of like a modern-day Bickerson's. Yeah. And I realize that's a reference that's going to sh- over people's heads. But every story that they ran about that was one less story about, never mind news issues. There's lots of sports stories yeah. in this town in terms of amateur sports, athletes, coaches, supportive parents. And enough about the guy in his no pants. <laughs> enough. Now let's uh, moving on from sports because this is actually a news and politics show. Um, let's talk about the fire truck attack that happened in Winnipeg. Um, I, I, it's not really national news, but you I don't understand for, su- for some reason I don't understand either. And you were digging down. The guy's got some priors. He's been in trouble before, and it sounds like he's out on bail. That was actually, I, I took a look around, and I'll, I'll, we'll do this a little backwards in terms of sure. uh, how we approach it. The the um, the accused, I don't think of the right term here, Yeah. I went looking on the court records very briefly yesterday. Uh, I was, uh, this happened on Friday, and, and I was like, I had just gotten back to town from a, a three-day trip out of town, of uh, wrestling in Suris and Brandon and Morden. Lovely towns all, by the way. Uh, and so while this was going on, I was trying to catch up on my own stuff and, and whatever. So I was basically only following it through Twitter. And uh, lo and behold, one of the people that was an eyewitness at the very beginning, uh, maybe four minutes after the fire truck was stolen at around the 1600 block of Henderson Highway, uh, that's Councillor Brawati's ward in North Kildonan, and Dave Manuke of... Um, uh, of uh, Illegal Curve, the radio program on TSN 1290, Dave saw this fire truck ram a vehicle it pulled over to let it pass got the sirens going and everything and the fire truck just rammed the back of this guy's i think it was a a a small truck and sent him flying into a hydro pole which knocked out power for like 800 people in the neighborhood uh around uh, whatever noon or one o'clock last friday um so i i did some looking around i could only find one thing on uh on the uh on the court records that are available online through the government of manitoba of uh, a garnishment uh, when the, the accused bike by, by I think it's pronounced B A I Karoma 
was uh, garnished for a little over a thousand dollars when he was employed at Motor Coach Industries in uh, 2014. That debt was satisfied. Uh, Global News uh, Today. Uh, having gone down to the courthouse, found out more about this fellow, that he was, in fact, um, out on bail when the when he stole the fire truck, allegedly stole the fire truck. I'm pretty sure he stole it when they had to tase him <laughs> to get him out of the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, he was out on bail for domestic assault in October. Uh, he, has, he has a prior criminal conviction, and this was kind of bizarre. I don't have any recollection of this. In 2005, he was acquitted of robbery but convicted of, uh, I think it was assault, I think it was assault with a weapon, I think, and uh, uh, possession of stolen goods. So in 2005, this fellow got in some kind of deep trouble, seemingly Mm -hmm. wasn't in any trouble afterwards. Um, Garnishment orders can happen. Uh, Who knows what that was was, uh, over. It was actually, I think, the, the, uh, that was actually, I think, a government garnishment come to think of it. So it could be that there was a fine connected with the earlier conviction he hadn't paid. Anyways, uh, this fellow who originally is uh, from, I think, Sierra Leone, hops in a, in a fire truck that's attending a medical call. Holy, uh, I didn't realize it was attending a medical call. So it was actually in use. They were using yeah. it to save lives. Well, you see, now this is another reason why it should be a national story. Yeah. This isn't where it was like parked on a you know, at the fire station out on the lot while they're jockeying trucks around. Uh, the the crew, nobody stays with the truck. The crew all goes in, and there's three high-rise buildings that are, you know, mostly senior citizens in that area of, of, of uh, Henderson Highway. And he hops on the in the fire truck, careens up Henderson Highway, which is the main drag on the east side of the, the, the main north-south drag, like to go towards or out of downtown, Ends up downtown, uh, tries, you know, I want to be careful here. I don't know that he tried to run people over, but he certainly aimed at people and made them scatter in Central Park. As he's driving through the downtown area, uh, running red lights, being chased by 10 police cars. Now, this um, drive-through in Central Park is also significant because um, Central Park is largely the area now is largely uh immigrants especially african immigrants in that area ref you know refugees mm-hmm. immigrants and uh, certainly up uh this is on the north side of portage avenue uh about say six blocks from the legislature and so you'll have a fair contingent of uh people that are uh, uh from first nations yeah. uh, uh descent in that area as well so, you know, you'd think that the national media would take a look at this because it's one thing to go up and down, go the wrong way on Gary Street and, you know, yeah. joyriding. But riding up into a park and making people scatter when I, I can guarantee you the majority of the people that were in the park at the time were not uh, businessmen and their secretaries out at lunch or something. Yeah. This is, uh, to me, it was very disturbing. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that. He continued from, from his Central Park excursion, uh, continued up towards the area of the legislature. Uh, he, he actually ended up behind Portage Place, the mall, which is near, uh, right, basically adjacent to Central Park, took out some of the bollards, ended up going southbound, um, I assume up Carlton, and then would have made was actually a turn that a normal vehicle can't make to go down a Cinnaboyan. And the, the cops laid down some spike belts, took out enough tires to stop the vehicle under the Midtown Bridge, which has a low clearance to begin with, tying up that route uh, in and out of downtown adjacent to, uh, to the river until sometime Friday night. Um, uh, among the charges, we'll go through the litany of charges, theft of a motor vehicle, dangerous operation of a conveyance. He was found to be impaired but the police would not indicate if it was alcohol or drugs possession of a weapon they haven't defined what that weapon is or or stated what that weapon is uh flight when pursued fail to stop at an accident times two drive without a valid license um he did all this while out on bail for uh allegations of a domestic assault uh has 
the the prior of an assault, which kind of makes me wonder if he's got a prior conviction for an assault. How with a subsequent domestic assault, he was out on bail. But again, I don't know exactly what the policies are of yep. the Crown this year compared to other years. Uh, and this, of course, led to all sorts of questions among the general population, which have not been echoed in the mainstream media whatsoever. I mean, people were asking if he had priors. It took till yesterday to get down to the court to check it out. That I can understand. Was he on a watch list? Uh, was he known to police out in the last few years outside of this domestic matter? What, when he came to this country, uh, how was he integrated? What, were, what do we know about his experiences, his schooling? Did he have contact at, at any point with mental health authorities? Uh, and and those are all valid questions. Yeah, I have a question uh, too. I mean, if he is not a citizen yet, and yet he has these prior charges and a prior conviction, why is he still in the country? I and I, I don't think that the citizenship question has actually been addressed. Although yeah. uh, the Winnipeg media, perhaps being not quite as woke perhaps as other media, <laughs> um, it did actually. Uh, publicize his name, which makes him identifiably African. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nobody has raised the question that I've seen about whether he's uh, 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 has citizenship or if he's a landed immigrant or what his status is. What you've mentioned is a very is is a good point. Uh, if, if it turns out that he is here at the uh, at the uh, at, at the leisure of the crown, I guess is how it's put. Um, but in light of the timing of this, uh, yeah. Around the same time as the London Bridge attack, uh, there's the guy in Sweden that who who had just gotten out of jail after serving five years for shooting somebody in the head, who rigs a vehicle to drive through a gymnasium wall in Sweden where they were playing like they weren't playing volleyball, like I think they were playing handball or something. So there's people inside there, and, and that video from inside the gymnasium is absolutely startling and could have been much worse. And that fellow leaves behind a letter that uh, mentions Osama bin Laden or whatever. He gets released after eight hours. So Sweden's a lost cause. Yeah. But with, with incidents in Sweden that although the mainstream media don't talk about it, there are definitely people out here in the in the rest of the world that know that there's uh, bombings every day, you 21 rapes a day, you, all this violence in Sweden. And people look at this incident. You don't have to go that far to Sweden. We just had a guy convicted in Edmonton of an attack with a truck outside of an Edmonton Eskimos football game. And he was charged with a litany of uh, offenses, including five counts of attempted murder. He had an ISIS flag in the truck with him. And like this guy, I mean, just the fact that there's no terrorism-related charges doesn't mean that there are no terrorism-related things happening here because the guy in mm -hmm. Edmonton had an ISIS flag with him and he yeah. still wasn't charged with terrorism-related charges. It was just Which five counts not, of murder. I, yeah. I have to tell you that that I look at this case here in Winnipeg, that driving into Central Park and making people scatter. Yeah. That is, in in my opinion, thank God I'm not a Crown attorney. Yeah. I I don't see how that is an attempted vehicular manslaughter. Yeah. The guy does not have any qualification. Never mind, he does have a driver's license. That's a uh, uh, an administrative technicality, perhaps. He doesn't know how to drive a damn fire truck. Now, the strangest thing is, here's you got a guy who doesn't know how to drive a fire truck, driving it at people, going the wrong way on streets. No charges are related to the 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 the, the um, mayhem, the actual mayhem that he caused human beings. Yeah, it was a headline, and I sent you this uh, yesterday. Yeah, there was a headline put up by CTV that. Is still not has still not been removed, which has a quote in the headline. I always wanted to do this. Man charged after high speed chase and stolen fire truck. That quote is nowhere in the story. And I thought I was had misremembered it when this was being discussed on like Saturday with some people. And a girlfriend of mine like pulled it right and she said, Oh, I saw that. And she pulled it right up on her phone and 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 took a screenshot and sent it to me. And then our, my publisher, Ron East, I mentioned that to him. He said, no, that's exactly what he said. He went and he checked the story. And there was no indication there had been an edit on the story by CTV. So there's a quote in the headline. I always wanted to do this. No attribution for where it was said, when it was weird. said, who heard it. Totally weird. 
but it's on the public record, so to speak. So again, to bring back my point about uh, Mr. Karoma, if you've always wanted to do that, always wanting to drive a fire truck, okay, that's one thing. Always wanted to drive it for about however long that would be, I'm guessing like 12 kilometers up Henderson Highway, the wrong way down streets, landing under the Midtown Bridge, aiming at people one way or the other. If you've always wanted to do that, uh, I'll put it this way. If you are a citizen, uh, you need a lot of you need a lot of mental health uh, assistance. Yeah. And if you aren't a citizen, bye-bye. Yeah, good riddance. Um, yeah. Let's move on to... Uh, I, I sorry, wanna, go ahead. I just want to go back for one second, though, if it's yeah. okay with you. Yeah, of course. Why do you think this hasn't been national news? Uh, for the same reason, the guy in Edmonton wasn't charged with terrorism-related charges. Um, there's a, I think there's a lot of pressure in Canada... Um, to make it seem like we are completely immune to these problems, even as these sorts of problems are happening all around us. We, we, can't have, we can't have terrorism. Don't you know that everybody's welcome to Canada? And that's a perfectly fine thing to say. And it's perfectly fine to have open borders and not vet anybody. Um, and uh, just, you know, let everybody come into the country without making sure that they are going to integrate and be perfectly safe for the rest of us. Um, there can be no... Um, consequences to those sorts of policies because that would hurt our beloved Justin Trudeau. So I think there's a whole narrative out there that this can't be happening. It can't be talked about. It's all mental illness. Um, And so we just don't even consider that there could be something more sinister at play. Well, I don't think there's a cone of silence yet. I I don't know that there should have been or would have been an opportunity to reveal... uh, uh, to report on anything that might have been found in his notebooks at home, or this or that, as as is in other, uh, mm-hmm. we find in other uh, other cases and other jurisdictions. Uh, but it will be interesting to see what what does or doesn't come out. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have a problem if this guy's, you know, uh, well, I do have a problem because even if he's a citizen, this. Uh, bailed on a domestic with a previous yeah. assault you know the, I'd, I'd be interested what kind of evaluations have been done about how safe or not safe of a character he is it's really weird that i haven't seen any stories as in people chattering uh, online about this guy that you know somebody knows him from yeah. from where he works i haven't found any of that yet um so it could be it's just a, a lone wolf yeah. you know quiet keeps to himself uh, character not even a statement though from the african association any of those agencies, no statements from them a- at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I also find it, it, it would be nice if they had spoken out something, even to say that he was known in the community and and people tried to help him in the past. Like it's like nobody's thrown the guy a light preserver, let alone try to push him under the fire truck yet. <laughs> it's 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 being handled a very strange way. One thing the police will not discuss, or the fire paramedic service, is why the uh, theft prevention device in the fire truck doesn't work. And the, the head of the union said that, uh, well, it was there, but it doesn't work. It didn't work. And a lot of them don't work. And we can't very well put a club on the vehicles because that'd be ready to go instantly, which is, of course, a nonsense excuse. Yeah. The amount of time it takes to unlock a club, I don't think that's going to make a big difference. Yeah. But the notion that a Winnipeg fire truck can be stolen that easily by some jerk. And then walk- used as a weapon. Yep. It's, uh, you know who else has been silent about this? Our esteemed Mayor Bowman. Yeah. yeah. Not a pe- I don't think anybody from councils said anything about it, actually. Kind of, it, it's, it, it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder what they're going to say if other stuff comes up that makes this more along the lines of what you discussed happen in Edmonton. Well, and that's the thing. There, we don't have, there's, the information is clearly out there somewhere. Nobody's really asking. Um, and people want to know, is this guy just bonkers? And if he's just bonkers, why is he out on bail? Because that seems somewhat dangerous as <laughs> as evidenced in his uh, little joyride. And if there's mm-hmm. something more sinister, or why aren't we even asking if there's something more sinister? Because if there is, I think we all deserve to know. And the questions well, just aren't being asked. Look, you know, in the old days in Winnipeg, uh, bringing this back to locally how it's, you know, there was like nothing on the newscasts yesterday about this at all which yeah. which I, I just thought there'd be some kind of follow-up and there was not like nothing 
which is weird because normally, you know what? There's one story out of, I think, the guy who, who, whose truck got rammed into the hydro pool. I think I saw Kyle something or other. I think I saw something with him. But not the kind of usual follow-up I would have expected for a story of this magnitude. The fact it's not being paid attention to nationally, um, it's unusual enough that it should be, and that's before we get into the other factors. The notion that uh, that we can't discuss the possibilities, the yep. Canadian too polite to bring this up uh this actually leads into into the next topic we're going to discuss yeah. which which is the um the uh the acceptance of all peoples as being evidenced on college campuses in eastern canada yeah, uh, Joe Warmington has a great article, as always, in the Toronto Sun. He's one of the best in the biz, one of the greatest shoe leather journalists in all of Canadian history. Um, he's got a great article about uh, York University. They sanctioned an, a November 20th event that had four former Israeli Defence Forces reservists invited to speak about their experiences by Hayrut Canada. And of course, the BDS folks came out and the students against Israeli apartheid. There's no such thing as a re- Israeli apartheid. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I mean, it's just crazy. These, and, you know, I've seen the reservists. I've, I've talked to members of the IDF. Actually, when I was in Israel, I was shocked that the whole country is literally defended by millennials and Generation Z. And <laughs> you walk away and you're, you walk away with this sense that our young people are not doing enough with their lives. That, you know, these kids in Israel, I mean, and they're literally. Listen, uh, growing up, growing up very Jewish. Yeah. And going to Jewish elementary school, Jewish high school. And our teachers were Israeli. So every teacher that we had had served in the IDF in one form or another, whether they were paratroopers and and some of them couldn't or wouldn't discuss what they did. And and that's the female teachers, too. And and there were people that, um, you know, not so much in my grade, but in the older grades where they would go in grade 10 and they would go live on a kibbutz and exchange program for a year. And there's some that would go and serve in the IDF. Yep. Netanyahu is an, an example. He was born in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, right. And and went to serve. My 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 dad's oldest brother, Uncle Mayor, uh, he um, made Aliyah, moved to Israel, and 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 the most there was a picture of him uh, on my grandparents' wall wearing his. Uh, uh, and again, I don't know if he was a paratrooper exactly or, or what his what his service was, but wearing his service beret and 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 uh, looking like full Israeli. Uh, this to us is was a normal expectation for the young men and women to to be willing to risk their lives for the survival of our people and the state of Israel. Yeah. And I agree with you. It is remarkable that with the generational changes that we've seen in the Western world, that in Israel, knowing that they could be murdered for no reason whatsoever at any moment that that dedication to state and to country and to our people as as well as to all when you're in the idf you're defending the druze the druzeum you're defending the 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 arab the arab israelis aravim you're defending everybody within your borders the and especially all the you know the, the various christian sects uh in in israel um and when you're, you're right, when you compare it to what Western societies, uh, uh, youth, what their expectations are, what their level of a, of a, what they consider a level of achievement, they they are very, ninety nine percent of them are very clued out about what sacrifice means, about what about what uh, dedication really means. Uh, in, in this case, these reservists uh, were brought over by Herut and. Um, before once the event was announced, Hayrut uh, Canada having uh, status as a a, a group, a student group uh, on the uh, York University campus, uh, immediately the uh, the uh, friends of Israel <clears throat> started to band together, claiming that having soldiers here was a violation of this and that. And there, everybody's a soldier in Israel. Everybody. Yep. So to have yeah. them here just means you had Israelis here. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the um, uh, one of these organizations, uh, I got to find uh, the name of it. Uh, 
uh, oh, there it is, uh, CourageCoalition.ca, whoever they are, that put out a press release about these IDF soldiers coming in as a, a thinly veiled attempt at recruiting volunteers to the Israeli military, and that that's illegal in Canada. Well, actually, it's not illegal to recruit Israeli citizens or mm -hmm. citizens of your own country. You know, Switzerland could, could go and recruit people on campuses here. Uh, that's not, it was not a recruitment drive whatsoever. Uh, it's talking in a very human terms, these soldiers, yeah. about their experiences in, in not just dealing with, um, uh, with the, the, the alive, with the lively kind of uh, dangerous situations that will emerge on a day to day basis, but managing the tensions, dealing with communities that are taught to hate Jews, never mind distrust, but to outright hate and want to murder them. Uh, you, you don't, I don't know that you really have very many similar examples like that. Uh, and, in, and it's, it's clearly meant to build bridges among humanity. It's not, they aren't there declaring Israeli sovereignty over, uh, over the Negev or over the, over the, uh, over the Gaza, uh, Gaza Strip or anything like that. Yeah. It, and instead it's immediately determined by these kinds of radicals, that if they're in the IDF, if they're loyal to the state of Israel, therefore they must be representatives of the political machinery. Uh, uh, and they then describe what went on at York as a peaceful but energetic counter-protest <laughs> organized by York students. I love how these NDP uh, far left-wing protests are always peaceful. <laughs> but, but, this one, but the funny thing is that this one wasn't even... Um, how should I put this? That the NDP, by not coming out, Andrea Horvath and, and Jagmeet Singh, by not making statements uh, uh, decrying this appearance of uh, these Israeli soldiers, the NDP stayed silent, and so the far left turned on the NDP. Couldn't happen to a nicer bunch, I guess. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> the NDP wasn't radical enough, the NDP establishment, yeah. that yeah, they we... said anything about this. Now, how peaceful was this was this what happened was there was a gathering through the hallways going towards the hall uh very hall where the uh speech was taking place now uh warmington's column quoted uh, gila yafet uh who's a student there she was going up the stairs and she heard go back to the ovens bring back the intifada kill the jews now let's pick this apart go back to the ovens is as not an Israeli, an anti-Israel political statement. It is an anti-Semitic statement. Yep. Yep. That is as that is the epitome of Jew hate. That's genocide. That's I mean, yeah. Bring back the Intifada, uh, which was organized terrorism, targeting not military uh, military objectives. But civilian objectives, blowing up pizza places, blowing up kids as they're standing on a rehov on a street in Israel. Kidnappings. Uh, and, yeah. and generally targeting identifiable Jews, you know, Jewish males wearing a kippah or whatever. Yep. I don't see where that's a very peaceful statement. Kill the Jews. Well, again, what do they say? Peaceful but energetic counter-protest. Yep. Um, those aren't words of peace, to say the least. Leora David was quoted in Wormington's column... She heard the same thing, go back to the ovens. One, uh, one person started saying it. Uh, now, there was also, uh, you know, at the root of this is that this was organized by Root Canada. And Lauren Isaacs is a friend of the J.ca. We brought her here to Winnipeg, where one way or the other, somebody tried to get the event canceled, no matter what is said mm -hmm. by so-called officials. Uh, Lauren is a brilliant speaker. Uh, uh, 20, 23 years old, part-time student, that has taken Hirut Canada on her back. And uh, with her eloquence, with her determination, uh, with her presence, uh, has pushed back against these uh, largely Muslim, but radicalized, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel, uh, pro-Intifada groups uh, on not just York University, elsewhere. In October, she set up an information booth. She was spit on twice. These uh, people were, were screaming, uh, forming lines in front of the table, screaming. Uh, and all she did was put up a sign saying, I'm a proud Zionist, ask me why. Hmm. And she was attacked in October uh, uh, about this, uh, about doing this. 
these uh, largely, she characterized them as largely Palestinian uh, protesters that came out, and they were itching for another crack at Lauren. It's plainly obvious that her not being meek, her standing up for the historic rights of Jews in their homeland, yep. that this upsets upsets the apple cart of the anti-Semites who continue to propagate this falsehood that Jews are colonizers in Israel. Uh, so, for instance, when a housing development is started in Hebron, uh, that this is somehow colonialism, even though Ronnie's own family, the Hamizrahi family, were purged from Hebron in 1929 yeah. as part of the pogroms. Now, after this, uh, so October with the Kairut event, which had a lot of heat, no punches thrown, morphed, that anger morphed into what took place at York, where Jews were trying to get through uh, to see the event, and probably a few people weren't Jewish, and where they're greeted by this kind of, these kinds of chants and the pushing and the shoving both ways. And after the event, the Jewish establishment, which would be the Canada-Israel Jewish Affairs Committee, CJA, uh, otherwise known as the Federation, in Toronto would be the UJA. CJA's a little, there's a slight, uh, slight delineation, but not much, largely the same characters. These are big macher groups. They all start making statements. We decry the violence and the hatred, uh, and students should feel safe. Okay. <laughs> Except they had nothing to do with the event and, in fact, didn't do anything to support it or help it. And then Hillel, Ontario, opened their yaps about how concerned they were and and uh, how they had had uh, worked to um, uh, secure. They were there last night securing the safety of students. And uh, Gidi Maman, who I'd not heard of before. Oh, uh, he's good. He's great. He's very good. Yeah. And I was unaware of great. him. I think he's connected now in with Ron. He outright called on uh, on Facebook, outright called Hill York a bunch of liars. Uh, the quote was, we're thankful York's administration, campus security, worked with us, worked with us to ensure the safety of our students in our space. He figures that they may have made a few phone calls before the event about it coming up. But Hillel, and I'm not sure, but I think there might have been another Jewish group, but Hill Ontario told students that they did not endorse the event they considered it dangerous. They would create a dangerous atmosphere and advise students not to attend. Now, that's a hell of a way to stand up for Israel. That's a great way for Hillel, Ontario, or any Jewish group to stand up for, for the people who serve and risk their lives to defend the Jewish state, to tell people, don't go see them, don't go support the event. It's too dangerous. Somebody might get hurt on a college campus in Toronto, not a campus in Beirut, not a campus in Damascus, not a campus in Cairo, a campus in Toronto. Yeah. So he called Hillel, uh, Ontario out and said that Lauren and himself met with the police at 31 Division and met with security to work out the details uh, and that the, the, uh, had the assistance of the Jewish Defense League. Uh, and there's, it turns out there's two Jewish biker groups in Toronto I didn't even know they were, who knew? there was, who knew? <laughs> who knew? One. And, and so when the pushing and shoving started, I'm sure that the, uh, that the anti-Semites in the crowd, I'm sure they were surprised instead of dealing with, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, what you typically think of the skinny yeshiva boys, the meek, uh, you yeah. know, they're dealing with some bulls, and yeah. they weren't used to that. And the bulls pushed back. Uh, I, I'm not positive whether charges have or haven't been laid because there was some altercations. I know one guy ended up in the hospital. Uh, I've seen pictures of that. One guy did get did get rocked. Uh, that should not be happening from either side, by the way. But the fact is that without those bulls there, without those Jewish men there who've thrown punches in their lives, who are willing to stand up, this could have turned very nasty against the Jews, against the Israelis that were there. Uh, Hill had nothing to do with the event and the security plan, and Lauren herself had uh, a, a comment. They did a lot to sabotage my event. They were unsuccessful. They tend to take credit for the event themselves and publicly made false statements. 
They failed me and other Jews and Zionists on campus. They deserve to be called out for their divisive, disingenuous, apologetic, and lying behavior. Uh, now, this has actually mobilized the Jewish community because they saw that Sija, that normally is, uh, and Toronto, the UJA, has taken community security back in-house. Uh, Winnipeg, for instance, they'd rely on on the local siege. And Montreal, I think, would be the same. They did, uh, I'm, I'm watching my language here, they did bupkis, absolutely nothing. But the community has been very motivated by seeing this violence, by seeing this outcry, by hearing these chants. Uh, uh, and the, the other group that needs to be complimented is the Friends of Simon Wiesenthal Center. So, um, one woman posted on Facebook that she had called the hate crime unit to report these statements, viva, viva, intifada, etc. She wanted to come to the police department and swear an affidavit and was told she was calling the wrong number. Now, she calls the number that she thinks is the hate crime unit. Uh, she asked, well, what number is this? They wouldn't answer. They said, well, it shouldn't be on Google. She checks with Google. It's a Toronto Police Intelligence Unit. Um she had already written York University and uh, the, uh, the president, Dr. Lenton, uh, uh, and uh, she had forwarded, this person had forwarded the letter she sent uh, President Lenton to the police chief of Toronto, Mark Saunders, who emailed back that, that uh, it'll be forwarded, her, you know, her complaint will be forwarded to a special investigation unit, which she figures is the police intelligence unit. So um, the Toronto police were already taking it very seriously. They, uh, not everybody involved in this was campus students. There was certainly the JDL, Jewish bikers, or out, so-called outsiders. Uh, but a lot of the people on the Palestinian side were also outsiders, uh, many of whom are familiar to us. Uh, Rhonda Lenton has uh, hired an outside investigator. Uh, potential recommendations on how we handle external individuals or groups who come to campus with the intent of instigating conflict or mischief. Uh, a long letter, she, and it's a form letter, lots of people in Toronto have gotten this. Um, a difficult moment from our community. They want to encourage open, respectful, and free expression, blah, blah, blah. You know what was missing for what uh, Rhonda Lenton sent to everybody? The term anti-Semitism. Yeah. Doesn't want to even mention that this is what went on. In response to this, the York Federation of Students, seeing that the administration wasn't going to be on their side, passed a motion uh, to oppose, they will actively oppose, quote, representatives of the Israeli state appearing on campus. Uh, but uh, to make it seem like it's not just the Jews, uh, they broadened their motion to any imperialist power invited to campus to gather support for war and occupation in Palestine and elsewhere. Wow. Hmm. Are they going to protest if a speaker from China or Pakistan? Yeah. Throw a few countries in here, Sheila. Go ahead. Iran. <laughs> you know, I wonder I if they've it. passed the same sort of motions to uh, oppose representatives of the Iranian state. I bet no. No, because the Iranian state is is no doubt uh, making sure that monies flow to these to these kinds of radicalized right. hate groups. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, there was a post that was put... Uh, uh, another post was put on, on Facebook and it was by an American guy. Uh, I think it's more so about American campuses, but it, we now see that in Eastern Canada, this is a concern for, for Jewish families. Did you send your child to college to be attacked for being Jewish? Yeah. Did you send them to be brainwashed to hate Israel, to be bullied, bullied and intimidated by pro-Palestinian hate groups, to feel like a Jew in 1930s Germany? And telling people to complain to these college administrators now and and to be loud about it and honestly the jewish establishment whether it's a toronto uh, we'll talk about mcgill briefly yeah uh i'm sure something's going to happen in winnipeg in the new year because uh, it's time you know it's sooner or later something's gonna uh, gonna happen here as well and i don't know <clears throat> not that we have a jewish biker group that i know of here but i don't know how prepared the Israelis in Winnipeg will be willing to show up in numbers. But whether the Jewish community leadership is going to put out a call to the general community, to people like yeah. myself that are of Ashkenazi descent, for instance, to show up in numbers, to be prepared to push back. Yeah. I don't know if they've got balls enough to recognize that our people in this country are 
are, are facing outright hate. This isn't the odd wingnut spray painting a swastika on a sidewalk outside a synagogue. At McGill, yep. Jordan Wright is a, a second year science student that is a representative on the uh, legislative council. Uh, she It was learned that she was going to go on a trip to Israel, a program called Face to Face, sponsored by Hillel Canada. And she proceeded to be targeted by the uh, students' union there, interrogated about her personal life, harassed, told if she goes, she's going to be, if she, she should resign. If she doesn't resign, she's going to be impeached. There's a non-Jewish student, actually, I think, two going on the same trip that have not been threatened with any consequences whatsoever. The, the way they play this game as well, you know, by going to Israel, you're making a political statement in our organization, you know, your representation of students is supposed to be non-political, but there's a member of the executive with a pro-BDS sticker on her water bottle. But that's not considered political. And I feel really sorry for Jordan Wright, who I don't know from a, a hole in the ground, that a second-year university student, so she's, what do you figure, Sheila, 21 maybe? Maybe. Right? Maybe. 20, 21. 20. And a science student. And here's a, fa- uh, a student's union that passed the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism, which includes berating Jews for policies of the government of Israel. Yeah. And here they are doing the same thing that they recognize as anti-Semitism to one of their own uh, uh, legislative members. Uh, she wouldn't resign. And then uh, I guess it was uh, Monday this week. Uh, the university itself, um, uh, university official, uh, the deputy provo, Fabrice Lebeau, put out a statement that this motion, this attempt by the student union, contrary to the university's values of inclusion, uh, that that this is, um, and McGill is, has had, and New York too, has had anti-Semitic yeah. incidents going back well over 10 years, this is uh, these these can- this is an example of campuses that are hotbeds of radicalized leftism that that finds allies uh, anywhere they can on the political spectrum as long as in the end Jews are bad Israel should be dismantled colonialism capitalism all the usual things yeah for a science student to want to take a trip to Israel and then to be bullied in this manner uh, uh, in Quebec. In Quebec, mind you, where you think that a Quebec government official or, God forbid, somebody from the federal government, what with its seat of power coming largely out of Montreal and Toronto, I have not seen, have you, one comment from one member of parliament? No. Liberal liberal orchids, now maybe somebody did, but I haven't seen it. Certainly not from a liberal member because it would have been brought to my attention. None of them. They all run in cowardice. If it's going to take some Jew, some Jew Israeli student or or um, organization worker getting the beat down and being put in an ICU uh, before one of these political officials speaks up, it will be a a um, an indictment yeah. uh, against our political leadership. This kind of hatred, these kinds of remark. How how do you have Police officers at York University hear these hear these calls. Go back in the ovens, mm-hmm. kill the Jews, and not immediately call for backups and start collaring the people. Oh well, get a hold of us and we'll take your statement. Yeah. So uh, Jews I- increasingly in North America, uh, this is what young Jews are 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 being subjected to, and they. They are not, I mean, Heirut, certainly, Lauren Isaacs tries to equip them with the arguments uh, to counter these kinds of falsehoods uh, uh, that, that are raised about colonialism and, and occupate. Gaza's occupied? There hasn't been a Jew in Gaza since 2005, but Gaza's under occupation. Um, Didn't they take the bodies of Jewish people when they withdrew from Gaza? I think they did. They even took yeah. their dead when they well, left. They did. Well, yeah, see, of course. So, so what we see happening in Canada, and this, and you know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this at York University was like uh, the day or two days after the Trudeau government 
re uh, reverse its field and voted with such staunch human rights right. uh, uh, represent uh, natives that represent uh, 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 nationalities that represent human rights like Korea, like North Korea, yeah. in a motion condemning Israel. Yeah. Again, over the same usual colonial bullshit. Mm -hmm. So that from the Trudeau government, as he panders for a seat on the Security Council, this was a signal that emboldened these radicals, these Jew haters. And these are, don't, you know, people out there that think I'm focusing too much on that. Believe me, they hate you too. They hate democracy. They hate Western uh, Judeo-Christian values. They hate the traditions that, that, that form the foundation of our society. It was very convenient, finally, that Greta has gone and admitted that it's, that it's all about the patriarchy and colonialism, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not actually saving the planet. Yep. And you really, you out there that, 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 you know, watch the rebel and consume other media, it's worth your while to pick up the phone, call your MP, whoever it may be. Yep. And even if they're in one of these NDP, pro BDS, no good Nixon Montreal, and give them an earful. Yep. Because, Let them have it. Yeah. Because you don't ever see Jews or Israelis in Canada. Now, I'm not saying everybody is pure of thought. That's obviously would be ridiculous. But there is no groundswell among the Zionist community. Kill all the Palestinians. Throw them off. Uh, uh, throw them out of their land. Yeah. Uh, cut off their water. Poison their wells. There's no groundswell of hatred among Zionists no. towards any people in the Middle East, uh, although there's certainly a great deal of distrust for, you know, the the agitators like, you know, Iran and Syria and like that. But in terms of the people in the Holy Land itself, this is a this hatred. These threats are a one way street. Yeah. And and um, campuses are the battleground. We've seen it in the States. We've seen it in England and uh, Canada uh, cannot afford to have generations of children, young adults, lost to this kind of rhetoric and this kind of internecine warfare when they're there to learn and to expand their minds. Uh, there's now a lot of talk about people withdrawing their donations to York University, as well they should. There are many facilities there named after uh, Jewish philanthropists. Uh, and, and this, for the Toronto community, which is the biggest one, uh, biggest uh, congregation of Jews, in uh, in Canada, somewhere around 180 or 200,000. This might have served as a wake-up call, uh, but not enough of them have thanked Lauren Isaacs for taking yeah. the initiative to do this, yeah. in my opinion. You know what? Uh, it's a really great point that the young uh, Israelis and the young Jewish people on Canada's campus, they cannot look to our politicians to save them um, because the politicians are not speaking out about this. They are going to have Power. to... They're cowards, and these young people are going to have to save themselves. And it looks like with people like Lauren, they just might. Now, we have... Uh, I just want to mention, sure. of all things, Canadian parliamentarians, I'm going to suggest something I normally... Normally, I don't say do it the way they do it, you know, in European countries. Then you end up with bike lanes in stupid places, and I don't really <laughs> yeah. think Europe should be copied in terms of lifestyle a lot of things. The French Parliament has, has decided that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Yeah, and that's so Stephen Harper thought that France, too. Yeah, if it's good up for France. It's crawling with 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 uh, with um, uh, this kind of radical uh, Muslim, uh, uh, the radical imams, and 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 this attempt to destroy the way of life. We see it in France. We see it in Sweden. France recognizes that you can't separate the hatred for the the Jewish people with the uh, the way that uh, people want to dismantle the state of Israel. Canadian politicians, of all of all things, I'm saying, why don't you be a little more like France <laughs> yeah. and open your, open your mouths and stand up for Jews? Yes, y'all, we're plenty good enough to get get our votes. We're plenty good enough to get our political donations. We're plenty good enough to like, you know, come to the Human Rights Museum that was the Asper family uh, 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 quarterbacked. We're plenty good good enough for that. But when our children, our grandchildren, are being threatened on campuses and you stay silent. You can do a lot better, all of you. On that note, let's move to something a little more fun. <laughs> you have a story, um, 
It's funny because I probably do more stories about coyotes than anybody else in the media, um, I, I, ironically enough. <laughs> um, but you have a, a story that uh, links, I guess, your family to a coyote that was hit on the road. <laughs> so I'm minding my own business, and all of a sudden my sister creates a Facebook group with me and her daughters. Uh, so there, we don't have a family gossip group or anything like that. Uh, it may be, you know, if a Hanukkah party's coming up. So I knew something was up. My sister puts in a link to a story about a man hits coyote. Uh, and uh, as the story went, uh, uh, a man... The first story didn't identify who. A Winnipeg man driving down the highway on his way to work and hit something, thought it was a dog, picked it up and put it in his vehicle. He's going to work uh, for an 11 p.m. shift, 11 to 7, an overnight shift, puts in his vehicle and goes into work. <laughs> and they start calling, you know, the RCMP or conservation officers. Nobody can come till the morning. He thought it was uh, a husky or a big or some kind of big dog. And it turns out. <laughs> was a coyote and this was not just any Winnipeg man it was my uncle and he's only about 10 years older than me so this is uh, very much like my older brother the way I was raised uh, he's only like uh I'm pretty sure he's only 10 years older than me so I was like I don't remember but I was at his bar mitzvah <laughs> and here's my uncle Ellie on the news I'm sure it's the first time his name has been in a newspaper since like his birth announcement <laughs> he's he's a a pious Jew Oh, he's a science uh, he was in his day a science nerd went to U, U of W to take sciences a and and I'm amazed even without people knowing who he you know that knowing that he was my uncle my dad's youngest brother and still like still lives in my grandparents house mm-hmm. right he never, he never left the homestead so to speak half a block from where the synagogue was I was amazed at, at the people I know that that had such wonderful things to say about him without knowing it was my relative, without knowing it was something like an older brother to me, for saving this animal and for caring because his rationale was that this animal injured on the highway, knocked out, uh, was going to be attacked by predators. And that's why he, why he saved uh, Wiley Coyote. <laughs> and he went for a visit to the... Uh, uh, the, the uh, I don't remember what it was called exactly, the uh, wilderness uh, center where it's uh, been lodged uh, for recovery. Yeah, the, the, well, I want to give him a plug, Wildlife Haven Rehabilitation yeah. Center. And so Uncle Ellie went out there and looks through the through the window <laughs> at it. And uh, it was funny that uh, there are a couple of people, you know, gradually yesterday it came out that you, know, you, um, you could tell from the last name, which is the real family last name, so everybody, we're all related. Anybody with that last name is <laughs> related. Uh, he's really like the least famous of all of us, never one that would be prone to public speaking or any misadventures like that. And it would never appear at city hall or anything, any of the work that I've done. But one thing that really cracked me up was um, uh, a couple of people remarked on watching his, his interview. I think it was Samantha Sampson on CBC that uh, besides that you could see a family resemblance in the face but once he started talking and the use of language and uh, you could see that he was you could see the two of us are related just from the cadence, from the, the kinds of language that he used, uh, the way he described the incident, and the animal uh, showing off the damage, very minimal damage to the front end of the car, which really surprised me. Uh, and uh, I, I never thought I'd see the day where my religious uh, my religious uncle, who's like the vice president of a synagogue would end up on, on every news channel. Um, but if he was going to end up in the news, doing so by being a good, uh, a, a good Samaritan, I mean, what we, what we call it when you do something that's in this realm, in the Jewish faith, it's a mitzvah. Yeah. And for him to get the kind of recognition that he's gotten, uh, was uh, people that don't know my Uncle Ellie have no idea how many, never mind animals he's helped, to the point where it's a little ridiculous with cats and dogs. But how many people he's helped and never asked for credit, never taken credit for it. Uh, uh, and, and really what my uncle reflects is the values taught to him by my grandparents, by his parents, by my Zeta and my Baba. And uh, it, it's, it was really something to see people identify the similar characteristics 
through this incident that uh, that runs in my family and that I try to reflect sometimes uh, uh, <laughs> to my journalism in terms of the kinds of stories I cover and sticking up for people. I don't really do a lot of animal stories, honestly. Uh, but I guess I could just sort of leave that up to my uncle from now on to fill in yeah. the gap. Yeah, I think he's got it covered. Um, Marty, where can people find the work that you do, um, both your secular work and um, the work you do uh, covering issues of the Jewish community? And more importantly, I guess, how can they support your work to keep you going? Uh, the J.ca is uh, one location. Uh, and uh, I... Don't know for sure what we're going to have up when this airs, but uh, Ron, uh, Ron East, my publisher, is on the road, and he was itching to write an, uh, a publisher's uh, statement with regards to the incidents in York and McGill. Uh, and I think that we'll probably have a, something like that up. Uh, for me personally, uh, the Great Canadian Talk Show, the acronym TGCTS.com. Um, I've been a little out of the loop newswise lately in terms of publishing stuff. Uh, I've been trying to get some... Uh, some private work off uh, off the table, but I I am inclined to produce a story that asks the following question: uh, Manitoba, the Manitoba government loves putting out press releases about finding this business and that business for industrial accidents. You know, yeah. a guy leaned in to pull something out of a machine, and his hand got sucked in, and they find the company forty thousand dollars. And uh, these kinds of again, these are mostly industrial accidents, workplace safety accidents. The board of Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. Uh, has known for over two years about this uptick in robberies. Uh, it culminated with a girl getting standing behind the counter while a uh, a mob. Uh, there was more than one guy. It wasn't a mobbing in terms of five guys, but there was a yeah. few guy few there. I think this one involved three people standing behind the counter as she was instructed. The security, the token security guard they have, uh, had been threatened. He ran into a locked room. <laughs> She's standing behind the counter, not moving. I don't know if she was told to open the door or not. And this girl took a sucker punch right to the face, not cold, taken to the hospital. I do not understand how liquor and lotteries officials, knowing that this danger was increasing week after week, month after month with, with these mobbings, and these are people that are, are, sometimes they're disguised, sometimes they aren't. I don't understand how they have not been charged under the Workplace Safety Act. And I don't accept the excuse that, well, they were appointed by the government. That makes them special. Yeah, if, the, if, yeah. if the liquor stores here were private enterprise, I guarantee you the Palliser government would be putting out a press release about the fines and the the, mm -hmm. the sanctions that would be issued against pri yeah, private liquor stores in Alberta. Oh, yeah. You? Oh, yeah. They would go, they would go nuts on private enterprise, yep. but there's been no consequences. And look, some of these people are nice people. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure that the board, both of the, there's liquor and lotteries, and then there's the bigger board that involves the cannabis too. Both boards have former conservative MLAs on them. That yeah. last time I looked, that I know, and that are reasonable people. That doesn't mean that that the individuals on the board should not be held to account for not clamping down a lot sooner, yeah, and not instituting better safety protocols. And instead, some girls got to, and I'll tell you who else has fallen down on the job. Honestly, the MGU, the government employees union that uh, they're normally they're a lot more aggressive and they can't make enough excuses for the government's failure to 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 do something to stave off these wave of robberies that have endangered not only the staff but the customers as well and for in the, in that instance the liquor mart was inside a mall and so that endangers customers too and uh, People are concerned about identifying the perps and, oh, this is driven by poverty. No, it's driven by criminal behavior. And anybody who says, oh, people are stealing, you know, 60 pounders of vodka because they're poor. Well, maybe yeah. they're poor, too poor to buy a 60 pounder of vodka. But when they're stealing five or six of them, this isn't poverty. It's criminal behavior. And the lack of action by the employer to protect their employees adequately, in my opinion, should be subject to the same kinds of investigations and sanctions as if it was a smelter in Flin Flon. Well, so I Mark, think I'll probably be running something along those lines. Well, might even name all the board members, actually. Because nobody talks about that. I might, I might even run that, see if I can get a current list, put their names up. And then when people bump into them at the local liquor mart, they go, hey, how do you feel about that girl got punched in the face? What if that was your daughter? I, I was saying for a long time, Sheila, the board should go and pull shifts in these stores to see what it's like. 
You know, that's a great point. Yep. Name and shame these people. I mean, they they really they're they're in charge. You know that that's who's the boss here. That's who's accountable. Um, and like you said, if this were a private industry, there'd be all kinds of trouble and you'd be hearing it from the government. If, you, a, if a licensed premises and they yep. get their license from the same liquor board, yep. the licensed premises kept reporting we're having booze stolen from behind the bar. People just walk by in the bar, stealing the bottles and walking out. They would have punched from the bars I've worked in and managed. They yep. would have punched our ticket. They would have closed us down. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. End of story. The only people who can get away with having their liquor stolen is the goddamn government. Marty, we're coming up on an hour here. Um, I got to thank you for coming on the show. You're always so generous with your time. Um, we love your passion for the Jewish people, for the news, but also for the little guy. Um, and I feel like that's the perfect encapsulation of what Manitoba and specifically Winnipeg needs right now. Um, I really appreciate I appreciate your kind words, and I appreciate you know I hear from the audience on Twitter. Yes. People retweet the the you know clips that have been put up. All of it means a lot to me. Uh, I uh, I do my best in in challenging circumstances in Winnipeg. There's not the kind of support you'd think for independent media voices here because yes. it's such ultimately it's a small community. Everybody's like naming names. Media won't do it. I'm the kind of guy that does it. And uh, one of the reasons that I do it is because I know that there's a strong contingent out there, not just in Winnipeg and Manitoba, but across the country, that wants to see things done right, that wants to see accountability and transparency, especially out of government, and that wants the certain kinds of truths, you know, not whispered, but told a little louder. And that's what I try to do. And, and uh, uh, hopefully I'll be on with you if it's not before Hanukkah, it's after sure. Hanukkah, I guess I'm going to have to try to dig up a menorah or something. <laughs> yeah. Decorate the set a little differently and I'll pull Jesse Ventura and Jimmy Hart and put a menorah up. And <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you having me on and give me a chance to talk about what's going on here in the, the Keystone province. Yeah, you know, Manitoba matters. You know, there are things going on in Saskatchewan, there are things going on in Alberta. Toronto thinks you're the centre of the universe. Uh, sounds like... Uh, Montreal is a hotbed for anti-Semitism right now, but Winnipeg matters and you shouldn't be treated like flyover country. So I'm happy to have you on and give you all the time you need. Thanks so much. You got it, Marty. We'll talk again. Imagine spending thousands of dollars every year to send your child to what you think is a good Canadian school so that they can get a high value education, only to have your child discriminated against and lose opportunities because they believe the state of Israel simply has the right to exist. That's the state of many Canadian campuses and it is spreading. And it's time we all started paying attention to the problem. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And as always, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.